And this is episode number two of the Cow Podcast. My name is Roman, I'm your host. And for those of you that just tuned in, this is a podcast about photography, occasionally filmmaking, and the life side of things. So, uh, before we start, let me add a quick note. This podcast is sponsored by PicDrop, and PicDrop is an image transfer tool for professionals. It's great to send big selections to clients and have a proper online archive. And as a special perk for you, dear listeners, we have a, we have a special offer to make, and it's you get the first three months for free if you sign up under the following URL which is pickdrop.com slash go slash card. I'm going to link it below in the show notes, so please make sure to check it out. And yeah, uh, the guest for this episode is a photographer named Ryan Fluger. Ryan grew up in New York and recently moved to LA. And yeah, we had a conversation on Skype while he was coming back from an assignment. And he was on some random highway somewhere in the West while I was sitting in my office. And yeah, that, that's the core of the conversation. And yeah, let's see what Ryan has to say. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did recording it. And yeah, enjoy. So Ryan, for your personal projects, you're traveling a lot around the US and you're finding your subjects via social media apps. So, uh, Tell us, how did it all start and what, mm -hmm. what happened on the road? Um, it, I mean, I've always found, since I started, uh, when I was in even, even undergrad, um, so this was, uh, you know, 15 years ago, um, I always found my subjects off the internet, but I've always been in a major city. Um, so when I started doing these road trips i really wanted to kind of see how my process would work in places that you know are a little bit more either conservative or not as you know there isn't as much access to a large amount of subjects in the way that i find them um and so it was it, it started out kind of as a test for myself as to see whether you know complete strangers in different parts of the country whether you know, if they were contacted that day, if they would actually be willing to, to meet up with a stranger in person, kind of on the fly. Um, it's, it's similar to just, you know, walking up to someone on the street and being like, will you let me, you know, take your photograph and hear your story? Um, it's just with a different barrier in place. But you're taking a lot more time for this project, right? I do take, I take a lot of time. You know, I try to, um, give it as much breathing room as possible so i'll spend you know between two hours to maybe a whole day with someone and so at some point you said that you receive a lot of rejection and no's in the beginning is it right i i still do i still wherever wherever i am i think that um i uh, try and think of the right the right context to put it i think i think people really enjoy looking at my work i don't necessarily people think people enjoy um the being as comfortable with themselves to be as subjects of my work um which are two very different things and uh so i still get a lot of no's i still get majority no's and i think it's because i i, I photograph people in a way that's very honest and with the the way that 
social media and the way that we present ourselves currently, um, you know, it's a, it's maybe not necessarily a photograph that you want to share with the world, but it's one that you might be really happy to have for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a different, it's a different way of looking at things. I think. And you started out using, using, uh, dating apps pretty much like, like Grindr, I suppose for your project. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I started. I started with Grinder and Scruff and kind of all of the more hookup apps. And, and I've moved into using like Instagram, uh, like location tags and joining Tinder in order to photograph women. Um, so I've kind of really opened up the process for myself to see how far I can take it. Uh, but I always like the idea of it if it being not a face-to-face interaction at first and it being a very spontaneous, mm. I'm here right now, mm. are you willing to... I don't pre-plan it. Are you specifically uh, looking for this for this disconnection from the city when you're traveling in remote areas or in, in smaller towns and looking for your subjects there? Is that the disconnection to the city? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do stop in cities, um, but I think coming from New York, being born in New York, um, and, you know, I, I felt I was well-traveled, um, you know, at this point in my life before I started this project. And then as soon as I started doing these, these trips and really kind of living in a space that was uh, on or at first uncomfortable for me, but became very comfortable being in, you know, states or locations that I had never been to before. I didn't have any kinship with. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of the United States that, that were, you know, someone like me um, is not accessible to, to people. You know, the idea of being photographed by, you know, someone that uh, shoots celebrities and all that, that people, uh, you know, think is really exciting, um, that the idea that I want to photograph them, it makes it a very, like, as I said in my TED Talk, it's like a why me situation where people think that there needs to be a specific reason. And really the only reason is I I want someone to be seen and to feel special and that it doesn't need to be this, like, grand idea of, like, this group of individuals is important because I look at it as everyone is important. Do you think that people are intimidated by you looking at your portfolio uh, with all the all the big names like President Obama, for example? Do you think they're intimidated by you uh, shooting them? Or is it other factors that affect them to maybe say no? I, th- I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's lots of factors. I think that, um, you know, just the idea of uh, a photog- it's different when a, when someone approaches a photographer where they're they're so invested and excited to shoot with that person that, where they contact you. It's much different when a photographer contacts someone and says, oh, like, I want to, you know, maybe it's someone that's never been in front of the camera before. Um, or especially when it's spontaneous where it's like you don't have, you know, weeks of communication and interaction to get someone to be comfortable enough to say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do this. You know, I have I have friends that I've known for, you know, a decade that still won't necessarily pose for me if I ask them to. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that I think that there's something that um, 
it's a it's also a control thing. I think that when you're you're photographing people that are not you know used to being in front of the camera or not um, you know a public figure or someone that's promoting something, when it's it, you know I I have the same issues with human interest stories for news magazines where it's like you know a lot of times these people are not comfortable in front of the camera but they want their story to be told so when you're approaching a stranger that's not necessarily wanting their story to be told mm -hmm. or aren't comfortable with their story mm -hmm. it, there's hesitation there How do you prepare for your photo shoots then? How do you prepare uh, in, in meeting strangers and and even famous people? Uh, you describe yourself as being more of a shy person. A hundred percent. I mean, it's it's just as much a um, you know uh, I wouldn't say it's a, a disadvantage, but it's a um, a crutch of mine of that I'm not necessarily comfortable in large social situations. I'm definitely more of an introverted extrovert, um, where it's like, I love being in the outdoors, I love traveling, but I don't necessarily feel the most comfortable when there's a lot of people around. Um, and so for me, this kind of allows me to really facilitate an experience that's comfortable for me as well, where it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction. And I can give of myself in the best ability, um, which I think is what makes my work what it is. And the fact that, like, I think that my personality, because I'm, I'm very quiet and maybe not necessarily, um, you know, the most uh, questioning person, that it allows people to, because of the silence, to start opening up and talk about things that they necessarily weren't expecting to talk about. Um, It is very romantic, though. I, for it's uh, definitely has to do with my nostalgia and kind of love of the idea of a fleeting moment that you know just really means something for that moment, but it doesn't necessarily need to mean something in the long run. Um, but it will stay with someone for a long time. But do you meet the people always in the same places, or um, is it at home? Is it in uh, where do you meet them, and how do you prepare uh, yourself? And your protagonist? I mean, for for me, like I very much have to mentally prepare myself before I even leave, uh, because I need to be in a very specific mindset for it. It's extremely emotionally draining. It's physically taxing because um, I usually go for two and a half, three weeks at a time, and I could photograph between one and five people in one day. Um, so you know, or I could photograph no one. So it totally depends on the situation, but I'll either usually go into someone's home um, if they're comfortable with that. Um, I usually very slowly get myself together to allow there to be conversation and to start kind of breaking the ice. Um, and if people aren't necessarily comfortable at their own home, I usually just say, pick a, a public place that's, that's close by to you or a place that you enjoy going to if it's a park or a hiking trail somewhere where there's not a lot of risk um and we'll you know spend the if it's you know a hiking trail i'll spend the day exploring with someone or if it's just a park i'll sit and have a coffee and then photograph them i, I try to keep it as low-key and uh you know stress-free as possible where it's not necessarily about how many photographs I take. It's mm. about finding the right time to take them. Mm. Are you taking a lot of time off from your uh, assignments to do these projects, to be on the road all the time? 
a lot of yeah, it's a lot of time off. I I I I work myself to the ground so I can take these large chunks of time off. Yeah, it's so nice to hear that people that photographers are actually taking some real time off. So, uh, does it mean for you that you're taking time off social media and emails and all the perks that come with uh, the daily the daily business? Is does that apply for you as well? I mean, it's. Uh... I have a love-hate relationship with it. I mean, I, I, you know, got rid of my Facebook. I haven't been on that in over a year. Um, I I occasionally log on to Messenger in order to like check things, but I just there's something for me that's very important about keeping uh, the idea of interacting in real life. I think that as um, uh, Even within photographer community, I, mean, I have so many photographer friends that I've never met before, and I think I think that there's this, you know, making the time to meet in real life and to have conversations that aren't just through text is just so important to me. And while I utilize social media and for for my work, when it comes to like my personal life and stuff like that, I really I I don't I, I don't share a lot. Um, it's just kind of how I have to keep it. If I remember right, there was this quote of your one of your pro protagonists. I, I think it was Blake who said, uh, yeah, yeah. "Less media, more social," or something like that, which was a really nice quote. And um, I wonder for myself if we, uh, if how toxic it is for us to be on social media and see all this work and. Um, That we that we should interact much more on a personal level again after all these years hiding in social media. A hundred percent. I mean, it's also I think that uh, that's what's really interesting about being even a photographer at this time is that uh, it's it seems as if it's something that's so easy and and instant and the idea of a working photographer and a professional photographer compared to someone that just has access to being able to take pictures. Um, it, it's fascinating. It's, we don't, we don't even necessarily have, um, the, the tools in order to really comprehend what is happening and the way that people look at things and the way that people, um, live with images is so short that it's the same with, with, with just communication and interaction that there, there isn't a, um, accountability, you know, you can just put something on the internet, you can take it off, you can put it back on. It's there's, there's this very kind of willy nilly vibe that is, you know, where there's, there's not a sense of permanence. And I think that, that, that in-person communication and interaction that's permanent. You know, that's something that stays with you. Something that someone texts you is not necessarily going to stay with you. But if someone says it to your face, it is. How's the experience uh, with your protagonists afterwards, after you met them and took your, took their portraits, what's happening afterwards? Um, I think that it's really, it's been, it's interesting. You know, you said earlier about the idea of like, whether people were intimidated. Um, and I think that, you know, there's been, I wouldn't say the majority, but there's been a large amount of people that I've photographed that haven't really even spent the time to look past like 
the last 10 pictures I posted on Instagram before they said yes. So, and then after the fact, they'll go and look at my website and actually look at my work and realize that, you know, I, I do a lot more than what they thought I did. Uh, you know, the amount of text messages that I've gotten after the fact that are like, oh, wow, you're actually like the real deal. I had no idea. And which I, which I like because I don't want, I don't want my, you know, clout or alkalids or like whatever, whatever you expectation level of what you think I am to affect what our interaction is going to be for me to photograph you. So you um, actually, so you, so you try to avoid them to have a preconception of what's going to happen at the show. Exactly. A hundred percent. And you know, that's one of the things about, you know, living in New York and now living in LA where it's like, uh, the majority of the time there's someone that knows someone that I've photographed. Like there's usually a understanding of who I am. Um, that doesn't necessarily exist in the Midwest, um, so, which I love. I think there's something really great and honest about that. Um, and, you know, some of my subjects have, have stayed in touch afterwards, um, you know, haven't. And I think, I, like I said, it's, it's a romantic momentary thing that just like anything else, sometimes it can lead to, you know, a lasting friendship. And sometimes it's just, it is what it is. Do you think, uh, especially when you're traveling the uh, the Midwest, uh, is there a different perspective on the LGBT community? I th I think I mean I think that you know it, it's a really hard conversation to have right now, especially with the idea of inclusivity and representation of you know every you know gender, race, um, you know sex. Like it's 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 difficult because. Which is why I tried to explain that, you know, a lot of people say no, um, that depending on where I am, it it will change the kind of person that's comfortable with even interacting with me. Where it's like, you know, in the South, like a lot of African-American men are still on the down low. And the idea of like being photographed by a queer photographer that's very public about his work is not something that they want to do. And I have to respect that. So I can't, you know, I've asked a lot of, of trans women when I've been on the road and they want to be, you know, financially paid for their services of, of posing for me. And I've never done that before. And it feels disingenuous to, to do that just so I can be inclusive because it's not, that's not the point of what I'm doing. It's non-transactional. It's not about, uh, you know, paying someone in order to sit for me so I have a wider range. I, I don't, I, as much as I'm inc inclusive in every way possible, there, there comes a point where it, it, it changes for me the dynamic of what the work is that I'm just not comfortable with. So you're basically saying that it would be a less of a collaboration and getting, getting gifted when you pay them? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's also why I, I, since I started this project, I've also um, made it that anyone that asks me to photograph them, I say yes to. Um, if anyone messages me on social media or sends me an email, that's like, I'd love to sit for you. Whether or not I'll actually get to photographing them is another thing. But the idea that I, I, I say yes to everyone, I never say no. But my only stipulation is it's non-transactional. 
you don't have to pay me, but there can't be an expectation of what it is that you receive afterwards. It's about the experience. So you can have the experience with me. You may, you'll definitely get a photograph of yourself. I can't promise anything more of that, but that's, that's where I leave it because I, 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 I want to keep it as something that is very neutral and that it's not about this, this, you know, I give you this, so I get this. Do you think that the political situation nowadays uh, made it more difficult for LGBT people uh, in, in this conversation or getting photographed by you and getting vulnerable? Is the political situation nowadays, did it happen because of that? I don't think of it. I, I, don't, I, think, it's, I think it's a complicated conversation. I think that, um, you know, it's just, just as if, as it's happening now with trans representation in the entertainment industry, that it's not about, you know, straight people can't play trans roles. It's about trans people are not allowed in the room in the first place to have access to playing roles outside of being trans. So the fact that they're not given the opportunity to be you know, auditioning for, you know, like the Scarlett Johansson role situation. Like, that's what the conversation is about. It's not about limiting things, but it's about that it's complicated right now. And there needs to be an even playing field before there can be, you know, the the idea of inclusivity to all. So, you know, I have the same issue of where I say that I'm a queer photographer. And a lot of queer people say that I'm not queer enough or that the people that I photograph visually or aesthetically are not queer enough. And the idea of gender fluidity and like what we think of aesthetically of what looking at a queer person as opposed to someone that, that um, identifies as a gay man, because there's a difference. And I think that there, again, it's this idea of like, we need to go to the extreme first in order And that for that to be um, something that's generally accepted and understood in order for there to start to be nuance, you know, nuance always comes after the, the larger picture. And I think that that relates in so many ways to photography and, and my work has always been about nuance. It's always been about being subtle and this idea of it being a slight fantasy on reality, it being a slight, you know, where it's like a lot of the men I photograph, it's like, you don't necessarily know if they're people that I'm close with or people that I are strangers. And this idea that for me, it's like, I want everyone to be looked at the same way. And that's a really difficult thing to visually accomplish um, without having, you know, a textual backing. And I, I, I don't want, I don't want to inform my viewers by telling them how they need to look at my work. So, and that's how I've always lived with it. So it's, you know, it's a very, it's a, it's a much more complicated way of looking at things, even though the work itself may visually look simple. Um, it's not. You said before that you probably have a thousand images sitting and waiting on your hard drive for you to edit. And 
what percentage would you say uh what what makes your body of work is it more the actual shooting or the edit yeah afterwards? i mean for, for for me it's always been about the experience um you know I, i'll go back to the work with my dad um you know there isn't a lot of photographs in that body of work and i worked on it for a very long time and it was very very much about the experience and what he and I were able to accomplish through photographs, not necessarily, or through the act of photographing, um, not necessarily about the final product. Um, so at the, in the end, it came down to a very specific way of editing it to feel really, really tight and understood. Um, even though it was a year long project, I think that there's maybe about 25 final images for that body of work. When you're working on this project, was it uh, more like therapy? Was it was it uh, self-exploratory? hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It was. It, I, you know, my my thesis ended up being that you know you can use your camera as as a means of therapy, um, and it's it was very cathartic for both of us. It allowed you know, this very um, specific way of us interacting with each other really allowed us to understand each other in a way that we weren't able to do with just talking. Um, and the idea of collaboration and creating and reminiscing about things that didn't exist um, that we wanted to allowed us to create a relationship with each other that we never had. How did it go after project? Are you still in a good relationship afterwards now? Uh, yeah, we're, we're super close. I, you know, I talk to him multiple times a week still, and um, I stopped photographing him. I, I, I started taking a few photographs of him relatively recently. Um, just because about a decade has passed since I finished that body of work. Um, and I liked the idea of kind of revisiting it a little bit, um, just where he is now. And he, he lives in Arizona now and he's not in New York. And, but, um, but yeah, it, 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 since, since that project, the two of us, it's, it, it's a hundred percent 180 turnaround on what our relationship was and where it is now. Would you say that this project is the most, most important project for your personal and uh, professional development? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of things about my career trajectory and kind of where I started, I did a lot of the stuff that for me, you know, like my first client was, a real client was New York Times Magazine, which like photographers work their careers to be able to work for. And, and, I, th and I think that a lot, a lot of things for me were a little bit backwards. You know, I, I went to grad school when I was 21. I made that work with my dad between 22 and 23. Um, and for me, that was the most difficult thing I was ever going to have to do on a personal level uh, with my work. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely the most integral to who I am as an artist now. Um, it really facilitated the path of how I photograph and why I photograph. So I don't think I can ever do anything that on a personal level that's as um, fulfilling as that was for me. 
You have a huge body of work now with uh, with portraiture photography. Is is it nowadays that you're experimenting a lot? That you're changing your uh, way of work or your style, your lighting? Are you changing a lot, or is does it stay the same mostly over the years? What would you say? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, <coughs> that's aesthetically. I think that it's. It, for me, it's just been about tightening my craft. I think that I have a very specific way that I look at things. I'm definitely a very formal photographer. I'm all about balance and simplicity and, and, and uh, you know, the way that colors interact with each other and, and, and color matching. And so I think that my aesthetic has just gotten um, tighter and more honed in and it's, 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 it's much more successful, you know, than where I used to have to really shoot a ton and, and really kind of figure out things. And now it's just like, I, I can be with someone for five minutes and get the photograph that I need. I don't want to go too much into technical details now, but uh, obviously digital is really something else than shooting on film. Uh, and you shot most of your personal projects on the, on the Mamiya, I think. <laughs> Um, and uh, do do you think uh, do you think it makes a huge difference? Um, are you shooting your personal project still on the Mamiya, by the way? I am. So I, it's actually, uh, and it wasn't something that I uh, even necessarily uh, realized how much it affected my aesthetic um, until so as I've been doing these road trips, I also did shoot a lot of digital, like I, I, just so I could give something to the subject right away while I was still on the road. And while I was, um, you know, updating my website and kind of doing a lot of scanning of this body of work, I really started going through all the digital photographs and realized that it, it felt and looked and, um, facilitated something completely different and if the uh the body of work called a quick escape um is actually all of the same subjects they were all just shot digitally and it's a completely different vibe it's a it's a much looser and it's a little bit more energetic and a little like this uh, a sense of mystery to it as compared to the very formal nature and aspect of shooting on film and doing those portraits. Do you think there is a difference in using like the Mamiya and the waist level finder uh, as opposed to uh, looking through the camera at your subject? I, I, the work of Platon comes into my mind and he's using this waist level finder and this pretty wide angle lens and he's sitting close to his subjects. Do you think that um, the waist level finder changes the way you approach people as opposed to using, a, using for example, a range finder? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because it, it, you, you people, you know, I, which is also why I still shoot film for a lot of my assignment work, um, bec because people interact with those cameras completely differently. So it it immediately um, kind of demands a bit of attention, and also it um, it's a little bit more precious. And I think that that even people that have never been shot on film or really understand the process, 
they see it and they feel that it's different and you're not taking, you know, 10 pictures a minute and like you're, it, it allows for there to be breath. And I, that's, you know, it's like when anyone asks you like, how can I do what you do? And it's like, well, you can't do what I do. I do what I do. And it's, it, it's like, I can't explain the experience because it's all about all these different little facets that completely change the way people interact in front of a camera. Do you talk a lot when you're shooting uh, people? Are you a talker or uh, do you remain silent during your sessions? I'm almost, I'm, I'm a hundred percent fine with people talking to me and I'll, en I'll engage with, you know, whatever questions are asked or, you know, following up. But otherwise I'm, I, I'm very quiet. I don't give direction. I, I, I like the awkward silence. I like, I like, allowing people to exist with themselves for a while until they get to the point of either where they're, they're not thinking about it anymore. But it takes time, right? It, it takes, takes time. time and space. It takes time. It takes time and space. But even, even with short time periods, I think, you know, people are not used to sitting with themselves and not speaking for even a minute. You know, if they're in a room with someone else and there's a, the social obligation that you're supposed to be communicating with each other, the fact of just silence and existing with your own thoughts, a minute or two can be all it takes because it completely, it completely changes, you know, the process where it's like people realize like, oh, like this is the first time I've just like been able to exist without looking at my phone, without doing something else. And like, I'm just present right now. And, and it's so rare. It's so rare for people to be present in general. But uh, it's the same in social media, right? That people pay, don't pay attention. A hundred percent. But yeah, speaking about time, did you get a lot of time uh, with, you don't get the luxury of time with Angelina Jolie, for example. Uh, right? I actually had a decent amount of time with her, luckily. Uh, it was actually kind of a rarity, and that that in that situation in general was much much different because. Um, you mean with PR guys and makeup guys it, in the background, for example? Well, that's why that situation was different. They were not allowed in the room with me, um, which was which is what I always try to do. Um, and Angelina preferred that actually, and she was totally you know she was like, "Let us just do our thing," and. Uh, And she actually is one of the few subjects that actually took the time to look at my work um, and let me know as much. And that that really, you know, besides making me feel really great, um, like knew I, I knew that she knew what was going to be happening, and um, she was there. She was present for it. And Would you say she was opening up for you in that present moment? Then a hundred a hundred percent. Uh, it was it was a completely genuine um, interaction, and that doesn't happen a lot with work. A lot of times, you know, people don't even know my name, and uh, it, it 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 felt very sincere. Um, and I think that that the photographs of her actually feel that way. They feel very not how she is normally representative what about the opposite uh, situation when you get rejected somehow on a photo shoot uh, how does it feel for you you know there i i would be lying if i didn't say that i still have those moments you know as as many people as i've photographed and as 
secure as I feel with my craft and what I do and like knowing that being confident um, is, is okay as long as you're not pompous. And I think that for, for me, like I still, like if someone treats me really shitty or doesn't treat me with respect or even just, just common courtesy where I feel like I'm the help where I feel like someone that is beneath, um, you know, whether it's you look at me and you think that, like, you know, I'm kind of look like I'm a, a white trash normal dude. And, you know, I don't dress up when I go to shoots. I don't care who you are. It's like I, I didn't, you know, change the way that I look depending on who it is that I'm shooting. I'm always casual. And, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of people that have made me feel really bad. There's been times that, you know, it, it even didn't happen when you photographed the uh, Pastor Phelps of the Westboro Baptist Church. That was an extremely difficult thing. You know, that was early on in my career and it was a difficult thing for me to process as starting to work for news magazines and the idea of neutrality and that not everyone I photograph is going to be someone that I necessarily like or that I agree with. And that as long as I stay true to myself and I create something that I feel is, is honest, um, that, you know, and that was one of those first experiences where I was like, Ugh, yeah, like I a hundred percent should do this, but like, I don't want to. And, um, you know, that ended up being one of like the easiest shoots I've ever had to do. I'm thinking uh, about the famous picture of Alfred Krupp by Arnold Newman, where he tried to make him look as evil as possible. So you don't try to put your own perspective on the person sitting for you uh, into the photograph, right? Or is it, is there some sort of authorship going on there? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think, mm -hmm. I don't think that I ever, necessarily make people look like idealized versions of themselves okay and i think that because which is why i say it's always about context i think that if you pull a photograph out of someone's career and you judge it just based on that photograph it's much different if you look at it in context of their body of work you know i had a very similar experience recently when i photographed roseanne barr and i had you know, I was like, oh yeah, I'm on board, like totally fine with me. And I, you know, I don't agree with the stuff that she said. And like, I don't, I, I can't make any judgments on her as a person because I've never met her. I can only make judgments off of things she said. Um, but I wasn't going to turn it down. I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest to this situation. And people rang me over the coals about it. And I had to turn off my phone for two days because I was getting anonymous phone calls like every half an hour and, you know, people comparing me to someone, you know, pulling the lever at the gas changer, uh, chamber and like, you know, people were really up in arms about the fact that as a queer person, it was so wrong of me to endorse this individual. And I was like, I'm not endorsing anyone. And you may have problems with the publication that I photographed her for, you may have problems with the piece, but if you take this photograph out of that context and you look at it in my body of work, 
it makes sense. And it's by no means was making her into some idealized version of herself. So he's saying it's much more a collaboration between you and the subject and you, you give away the authorship to the, to your, to the person you're photographing. So they present themselves as they want to be perceived. Exactly. And that's, but, but again, in the world that we live in right now, context is a very relative term. And, you know, I think that the idea of, you know, you know, people were commenting on my Instagram about, uh, about the Roseanne being like, oh, you're not a journalist. You don't, you don't work for news organizations, blah, blah. And I'm like, I started working for news magazines and most of the magazines I work for are news magazines. And, but it was, and you know, that's why I even made like a follow-up post about it of being like, listen, like I photograph people that are a lot worse than Roseanne Barr. And because you have a problem that I photographed her for People magazine, and you think that that's somehow selling out in a way that's like outside of the, you know, the idealized version of what journalism is, um, you know, it's like, no, no, because I, 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 all I'm in charge of is making the photograph and making, and making sure that like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not working in a way with, you know, for the uh, 99% of the time for, for pieces that I don't feel comfortable with. You know, it's like I photographed Chris Christie for GQ and I didn't necessarily like Chris Christie as a person, but in context of what I knew the story was about and in context of how I knew I could photograph him, I was a hundred percent okay with doing it. And GQ is not a news publication, you know, but it, it felt right. And I didn't feel like I did anything disingenuous to me. And at the same time, and I like have to say this all the time, as a queer person, being able to be within these situations and being and allowing the access now as someone that is it makes work about being queer is, has no, you know, qualms about being very public about it. The fact that I'm able to be in these situations is activism in the first place. And that, for me, is why I don't say no to things, because it is, it is a form of activism allowing me as a queer person, there's very few that work for magazines in general, that I'm allowed to photograph and that I'm respected for the work that I make. That's activism. Is that the reason why you don't put the name of the publication or even sometimes the people you photograph uh, under the images on your website? A hundred percent. It doesn't matter who I'm shooting. I, it, it doesn't matter in the end who I'm shooting people for because when it comes back into my control and the way that I present it, for me as an artist with my name attached to it, that's why I do things like that. Where it's like, it doesn't matter who I photographed so and so for and when it was, it matters in the context of the work that I make and the way that you see it with other things. And it's like, I don't necessarily care if you know who these people are. Uh, are people getting sometimes angry that you're putting, for example, people like President Obama in the context of your, of your other work? I mean, again, that's, again, it's the same, which I, you know, it does affect me sometimes, like negativity affects anyone. You know, I, I have gotten my fair share of hate emails and, you know, like what, what makes you so special? Why are you able, like, just like anyone else that becomes somewhat relevant, 
But for me, it's like, I, 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 I don't care. All I care about is that when I photograph someone that I'm being honest and that I'm giving, I'm, I, I'm, I'm giving what I can bring to the table and that when people, you know, look at my work, that if one person feels good or is able to look at themselves differently and say like, oh, like I see myself represented in this, or I see, I, I see someone looking at the world a little bit differently and it doesn't make me feel so alone. That's all I care about. I don't care how I'm getting paid. I don't care who I'm working for. I don't care about any of that stuff. To me, it's just about the work. We're talking a lot about making series of uh, a huge body of work right now, but in this obsessed world of Instagram where only the single image and the uh, super easily perceived single image is counting. Um, for you, is there a way to, to avoid the trap of falling into that, uh, into producing for social media only so it gets viewed? Uh, I mean, the, 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 only, the only way to avoid it is to not engage in it, um, uh, honestly. And I think that for, for me, I don't care anymore. You know, I've had plenty of people, you know, like I'll post something and then People were like, oh, that looks like so-and-so's work that, you know, they did three years ago. And I'm like, oh, actually, I made a photograph just like this 12 years ago, and it's on my website, but, like, it's not on my social media, so in your mind, it doesn't exist. And, you know, when you're not, you know, that 1% of famous photographers where people know every photograph they've ever taken, uh, it, it, you, you need to do your research, and you need to understand that, like, you know, like, Just because I posted it today, and it's a photograph I took today, doesn't mean that I haven't been working in this way for the last decade, you know. And you know, it, it it's you you can't avoid it. So all you can all you can really do is say, okay, like it, this is what it is, and it's never going to be anything more than this. And if it if it is something that you enjoy sharing with the world, then share away. You know, it's like, that's all that it comes down to. It, it allows people to see my work. I don't think work should ever be looked at on screens, but it's the world that we live in. So you either engage with it or you don't. And I don't think there's a right or wrong, but you kind of just have to accept the consequences of what it is. I think Instagram is a good example for, for this positivity on social media where no negative parts of your life are ever presented where uh, no struggles are presented and I think you're you're taking the opposite way where you where you're talking candidly about your experiences um, do you think that's a good thing I mean that's why for me why also like I like I don't I don't I, I feel the need for me to engage in a way that's as transparent as possible, which is also why I try, you know, I don't do it all the time, but I'm, I'm very, you know, clear of like, I still have to work all the time. Like nothing necessarily comes easy for me. I'm, you know, not the most financially secure people, a person, despite what you may think because of what I do. You know, and I try to, at least in, you know, textual form, put that out there that like this is this this career and like living this kind of life is not easy. And that being upfront and honest with that so that people that are your peers or people that are 
you know, wanting to, you know, work within this field, at least understand that, like, you know, someone like me still is facing those issues. Like, I still have to deal with lots of negative bullshit all the time. And, you know, if, if I can at least put a positive spin on that and, uh, you know, allow people to see, like, these are things that I still have to deal with and these are things that, like, you're going to have to deal with. And, like, I'm grateful and thankful for the people that make it easier for me and the people that look at my work and appreciate my work. But also, like, I, I, I question myself all the time still. And I, I think that that's the, the only way to actually be successful is to, to, to do that, to say, like, maybe I should quit doing this. Mm -hmm. And in the photo industry nowadays, it's considered as unprofessional if you call out certain negative aspects of the job, like clients paying late or never paying or uh, stuff that's happening on the sets uh, that that has a certain effect on you. No, and there's 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 and I don't give a shit about that. And I never have. And that, you know, like I, I am, I'm very, very vocal about stuff like that. I've always been vocal about how people don't pay on time and how there is no union and how there's no backup plan and there's no health insurance. And there's this expectation of like, we need this as soon as you did it. And it's like, no, no, that's like not how it works. It's not okay. We aren't machines. Like people need to start realizing that like, this is a very, very, not only is it a difficult job, but it's one that takes time. And the reason why so many things have become unsuccessful is because everything needs to be done faster and quicker. And the idea that a, a publication needs two weeks to look at your edit to pick out one photo, but you only get 48 hours to look at your entire shoot and send it to them is absurdity. Where it's like, oh, this group of seven individuals that's making decisions about one photograph that we're going to print, we can have all the time in the world because we need to like figure out if it works in this layout, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, I also need that time. And I'm just one person. Like, maybe I have an assistant or maybe I have a studio manager, but it's like, you're a corporation. You have people you answer to, you have people that work for you, and you're given so much more opportunity and time than I am. That's not, that's not okay. And I've, I've gotten more and more vocal about like your expectations just because one photographer is going to deliver that. I'm not that photographer. We are not all the same. But especially for young photographers that are just starting out, they want to impress the client and uh, they want to make, yeah, they want to make the best impression they can do. So what do you say about that? I, th I And I think that that is um, an environment that we are all culpable in creating. Um, you know, I did the same thing when I was younger, like working for and doing things where I wasn't really necessarily getting paid or doing something where it's like, I should have gotten paid a lot more. And this idea that, oh, there's always someone younger that will do it cheaper and quicker. So I should do this is bullshit. And it's like, that's an, it's an environment that now has been created where there it's, it's really difficult to see a way out of it. Um, and you know, it's, you know, uh, And magazines and even just, you know, online, like online companies and stuff that are still producing content. It's like everyone is just trying to, to, to stay relevant and to be able to, you know, stay afloat. And 
I think that there there needs to be this consistent conversation of things worked really well 30, 40 years ago in like the pr- prime time of magazines and advertising where it's like, we need to start understanding like that was when we, we respected every person that was hired as an artist. We respected them as we were hiring this specific person that's not a button pusher to create in a way where we trust them, where we're not asking to see things on a monitor because monitors didn't exist. We're not, it's like all of these things where it's like you, there, there's a lack of trust and there's also a putting out fires before they exist because there's the possibility that they can exist. And like that, it's just, it creates an environment that it's very difficult to be creative and be successful and to be, an individual in. Are you negotiating your rates yourself with your with, with the magazines, for example? I luckily, you know, have an agent, but I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to do that anymore. But even my agent, but even my agency and my new agency, which I absolutely love, and they under they understand all of this. All of our all of our advertising rates, they're all the same. No one has. A are you are you working a lot in advertising right now? I am I'm up for a lot of advertising. I don't work and I I I maybe once a year I do an ad job. I'm I'm just a tough sell in general. Yeah, um, I read the quote that you get maybe one out of 10 uh jobs in advertising in general. Exactly. And um yeah, I read a lot of interviews especially with filmmakers that are doing uh, writing a lot of treatments, a lot of treatments, and yeah, maybe they get one out of ten jobs, and they put in a lot of work there. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, it's all this time you're working and not getting paid for, with the the idea of like maybe you'll get a great paycheck if you happen to get this job. Would you say that your main motivation to do uh, to do more advertising is to finance your personal project and your your unique vision? I, uh, yeah, I mean the the for me my only stipulation and it's the only thing that I've I, I've I've stayed true with for pretty much my whole career is that I'm I'm not going to start creating something that will make it that people will, will want to hire me more for commercial jobs. <laughs> I will not I will not change who I am as an artist. I will not change who I am aesthetically. I will not change how I work to facilitate making that paycheck happen. So if the opportunities come along where someone, and they have come along, there has been clients that like, let me shoot film and I've done like really good ad jobs that like I'm on NDAs and can't say who they're for, but like that where I, I am comfortable with what the end product is. I'm comfortable that I was able to be me, but I sure as hell am not going to do anything that's outside of what I feel good about. And that's it. That was the recording with Ryan Fluger and actually the first recording I ever did for this podcast. Hopefully there are a lot of recordings following after this. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did recording it. And um, yeah, there are hopefully a lot of episodes coming up with (laughs) better audio quality than this. But it was... I wanted to put it out because the content of our conversation was so valuable in the end for me and 
uh, I hope that applies for you as well. And yeah, hope to hear you next time. <laughs>